The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you not live. We're pre recording the show today. Uh, been doing a lot of that this week. Uh, so we don't have the phone lines open, but I am coming from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you would like to check us out online, please do so. Go to SonsOfLibertyRadio.com or head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. If you go over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, scroll down right on the right side of the page, and you'll see Bradley's going live now because we're pre-recording during his show here on Saturday. But the bottom video, there's two of them there on the right side of the page. The bottom video, this area right here is where we'll be streaming live. Just click onto that. Uh, You can enlarge it. You can join us on the actual page that that's from. You can join in with the chat, the guys in the chat room. And we'd love to have you there. Also, uh, Bradley will be on at 3 p.m. today, the day that we're, uh, obviously he's on now, but the day that we send this out on the radio, he'll be live as well. You can catch him at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Above that is a place where you can subscribe to our email newsletter. We don't rate your email. We don't sell it. We don't sell it to anybody. We don't spam you. You get one email a day from sonsoflibertymedia.com. This is all the articles that we put out for that day, including all right, the archive of the show. I do that every day for your benefit. You've got a video. You've got a podcast. You've got any of the links of things that we talk about. Um, I'm going to give you the links to our guest's books and his website and all this other stuff that we have. And on previous shows, you'll get videos if we talk about that, documents, any of those things. Those come in the email at night. So usually it's the second one down. And if Bradley doesn't write anything for the day, it's usually the first one. It's usually on the top. So it's the first or second place. And you can always get that from sonsoflibertymedia.com. But you have to subscribe to do that. Now, if you agree with the message that the Sons of Liberty have, we take our standard on the foundations of the Bible. okay, And we point to the U.S. Constitution. And even the U.S. Constitution is subservient to the Bible people. And wherever it's flawed... It has to 
come and conform, and we need to make it conform to what the Creator has given us within the Word of God. If you agree with that message, there's a donate button here. We don't just do radio. We don't just do uh, internet and writing articles and doing videos and all this. We do that, but then we're out there among the people in a variety of different ways. Bradley's definitely out on it on a more national level than I am, but all of us have our sphere of influence where we are. Mine's here in rural South Carolina, okay? So we all have our, our sphere of influence, but we are faithful in doing those things. If you want to donate and help us out, we have needs to do that. It costs money to do it. We ask that you would, uh, if you're able to, uh, join us and make a donation. If you would like to partner with us, you can do that too. That's a monthly donation where you become a son or daughter of liberty. Set that up. It comes out every month at the uh, amount that you want to donate to the Sons of Liberty. And finally, we have a store button here. And on the store button, you can click. We got all kinds of products. They make great gifts. There are also some products in there that I don't really focus on uh, as much, but we're gonna. I'm going to have something going here uh, the first part of the show before the radio show starts in the future where we highlight some of those. Some of them are for equipping um, the, the people and giving them tools where they can equip their children or other people. And then we have other ones that like T-shirts and coffee mugs, things like this, great conversation starters and gifts as well. So check that out and you support the Sons of Liberty when you do that. You can also catch this video feed on my Twitter account at FPPTim. Periscope and Twitch at Setting Brush Fires. Facebook is Bradley Dean SOL. Our YouTube channel, look up Bradley Dean, although we're not streaming there and that's on purpose. They've killed two of our channels. Well, they killed one for Sons of Liberty. They killed my private channel and they killed, um, or they're about to kill the one that we're on. We've got two strikes against us. So we're just kind of leaving that alone for now. But you can catch us on beforeitsnews.com right there on the front page, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty and Cutting Edge TV on Roku. Again, the phone lines are closed today, so you won't be able to call in. Um, and I may can answer some questions in the chat because I will be watching that as this plays um, when we air this, when we air the show. But uh, I won't, I, I just can't take calls. Okay, we're, we're pre-recording. With that said, I've got a longtime friend and a contributor. Back when I was working at Freedom Outpost, David Rizzolata was submitting some of his writings to, I think, a variety of outlets um, who, who would take submissions. And I think he submitted to a couple of people, maybe a couple of sites, I'll let him clarify that or whatever, that were in our network of websites. And at that time, I think we were running 30 or 40 uh, websites. And then we drew in, I think we got to about 70 or 80 websites. I'm not really sure what was in our network. But David was submitting to that, and he started submitting to me. And I found his writing to be some of the best stuff that I had going uh, that was not stuff that we were that I mean, I'm not I don't consider myself a great writer at all, but I was at the time a Freedom Outpost. I was writing eight to 12 articles a day. And this was when, you know, you did it real simple. You gave an introduction, you cite a source, you make a comment and you close or you maybe you cite a couple of sources, something like that. It was just something simple. And David would come in and grab a thought, and he would come at it from a different standpoint than a lot of people that I knew how they had come at it. And he had this uncanny ability to go into what communists had said, how they were going to influence uh, America and how they did things, and then bring that to the people and keep it kind of short and sweet. Here's the quotes. Here's what they're doing and kind of end it there. Let people know what was going on. And he's done that for several years. 
He's written a couple of books. Um, the first one that he had was called Not On My Watch, okay, 2015. And then the second one he put out call, is called Psychopolitics in America, A Nation Under Conquest. Now, if you want to check out uh, these books, the links will be available in the archives this morning. David also writes over here at Sons of Liberty, and you can see several of his articles here. He contributes from uh, uh, to us over here, but he also has his own website called In Def- or excuse me, Defense of Our Nation, Defense of Our Nation. Dot com. It, used, it used to be in defense of our nation. It's defenseofournation.com. You want to check him out there and uh, want to welcome to the Sons of Liberty, David Rizzolata. Hey, man, good morning. Hey, how you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great, and it's good to have you. I think, I think I've had you on the show when it was setting brush fires before I came on with Sons of Liberty, and then you've been on on several times. You called in the other week, I think it was, and you called in a couple of times to kind of give some uh, voice of some of your thoughts to some things that are going on, you know, current events and things like that. So with that said, I've kind of give you somewhat of an introduction from a personal standpoint. Do you want to give people a little, take a couple of minutes and give people a little of your background uh, as a, as a former Marine and, and some other things that you've done in your life? Sure. Uh, well, I served in the Marine Corps and in the army. Um, I uh, went to school Started at Tulsa Community College in a psychology program. Switched my major to social work, which is where I really got into writing. Um, That's where I was exposed to these professors who were suggesting to me that I wasn't fit for that field of work. I wasn't fit to be a professional helper because I didn't believe in the concepts of white privilege and social justice. And and, and that really opened my eyes to... uh, to what's going on today, um, it was the writing was was on the wall today. The whole concept of white privilege and in uh, critical race theory, you know, you, it's out of control. And uh, I was exposed to that way back in 2010. And then I, I completed a master's degree program in social work, um, where I was two days before graduation denied the degree purely for political reasons. Um, and, you know, my GPA in that program was a 3.49, 3.50. Uh, so there's no reason why they, they denied me my degree. Um, later on in, 2000, in 2019, I um, went to Liberty University professional writing program, graduated from that in 2020 um, of last year, October last year. Um, and that brings me to where I am right now. Okay. Well, one of the things that I have noticed even over the years is your grammar has gotten probably better than mine <laughs> and, uh, and and some of those things. So that's I, I, I'm going to say that's probably helped you quite a bit. But the thing that we're going to probably focus on and that you really bring a lot of knowledge to is that thing you talked about where you went in to try to go into social work and you were taught all these People use leftist terms. I, I don't. I don't even really like the right and left terms because nobody ever answers the question: the right or left of what. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the right or left of the law. I don't think that either one are staying on the on the um, on the law, and that's really where our problem is. But nevertheless, it, basically, you said it was Alinsky tactics. That's that's the way you were phrasing it to in your writing and in, in the conversations we've had. Well, Alinsky was, we were definitely taught about Saul Alinsky and the tactics that he employed 
um, while they did it in, in kind of an innocent manner, um, they would they would show videos of how to disrupt political rallies, and of course, the uh, the Republicans were always presented as as the problem, you know, as people that were standing in the way of social justice. So, so they would they would show these videos of how to how to organize, how to disrupt um, rallies of Republican politicians. Uh, one was at the time it was Scott Walker was a big target up in Wisconsin. Um, you know, so that kind of thing. We we had we had professional organizers show up to the school to try to organize students into the Occupy Wall Street movement that was going on at the time. Um, yeah, so Solinsky is a huge part of the social work field because it's he was a community organizer, and uh, everything that you see going on today with the Black Lives Matter or Antifa, that's the result of community organizing. These people have been thrown in a box and agitated to the point to where they're, they're reacting um, in the way they, they were trained to react. Um, essentially, that's what community organizing is, is creating discontent, creating hate and discontent for the purpose of pushing for change, so to say. Okay. All right. And the people who denied you your, uh, was it masters in that what they were, they were trying to deny you there at the school? Uh, they they did they did okay. deny it. And I graduated at first at the bachelor level at NSU is where they told me I wasn't fit for the field because I didn't believe in in white privilege and it was really interesting because we were tasked with writing a white privilege position paper okay so we had we had to write a paper on our position on what we thought about white privilege and I turned in a paper um, citing uh, a lot of material about. Uh, affirmative action and, and how they were how there were actually black people in America that are against affirmative action and understand that 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 actually limits their ability to to uh, to achieve at their highest levels you know because the schools are tasked with just filling a quota right um, so I cited a lot of stuff along those lines and, and my professor actually came out and told me that that I knew how to write a paper and I got an A on it. And, and then at the end of that semester, which was called the pre-social work semester, they came out and they used that against me. My positions were used against me because it doesn't align with the ideological viewpoint of the profession. You know, you got to think about it in social work, you know, the whole uh, social work revolves around the redistribution of wealth to, to one degree or another. You know, people sign up for benefits through social workers and all that kind of stuff. And if they don't have an underclass, then there's nobody for them to serve, you know. So to not to to go against that grain, um, well, they're not going to accept that. They didn't accept that. However, I, I was able to, you know, I was able to stay in that program and I finished it. Um, and then when I went on to the master's degree level, that's where it was in an internship at a um, child welfare office. You know, I like your intro where it talks about being a boat rocker. I, I was a boat rocker. I rocked that boat and they didn't like it. Um, and that's why I didn't get my degree. One of the things that they did to me is they, they asked me to talk to a young kid that wanted to join the Marine Corps. And the kid was on a lot of psychotropic meds because he was living in a boy's home, but he wanted to join the Marine Corps. And I told him that he would have to get off those medications in order to join the Marine Corps. Um, and I and I asked him if he could talk to his therapist about that. Well, his therapist didn't like that. And so the therapist called back up to that office and was complaining about me. 
you know, because she doesn't want to lose a customer is basically what it comes down to. Um, well, then they turned around and they said that I was pushing my own personal biases on this kid. And, and that was something that they, they were able to use against me on the learning contract for that internship. Because um, you're not supposed to push your personal biases on somebody. But the thing is, is that, you know, being on medications and joining the military, that's not a personal bias. You cannot join the Marine Corps if you're on psychotropic medications. And that's it. Um, so that was just an example of some of the things they did to me in that program that they used to justify denying me my master's degree in social work. Okay. All right. Now, I remember that we had a guy out in the, the Washington Navy Yard. And, uh, you know, the, you remember the guy was his name Aaron something. And he went and shot the people in the Navy Yard, right? Was was right, was yeah. he not on some kind of... Now, he was in the Marines, obviously, but was he not on some kind of psychotropic drugs? Or did they believe that he was having some kind of directed energy weapon used on him because he had the elf carved into his weapon and stuff like this? What Was, was there something different going on there? I don't remember. Okay. I think he was on psychotropic drugs, but I mean, you can... if. If you're in the service and, and then they diagnose you with something that they, they can put you on drugs, but for the most part, with a kid that's on seven seven different psychotropic medications, he's not going to be able to join the Marine Corps. Yeah, well, I mean, the obvious question I would have is why would you want somebody like that in the military in the first place? If you've got somebody that needs psychotropic drugs, you're going to be training them with weapons and stuff. That. That just is not a good mix there together. But that's not the point of the show. I, I, it just kind of struck in my mind of, of what you were saying there. Now, you've got a book that's coming out, and you're hoping to get it out by the summer. It's going to be called Without a Shot Indeed. If people don't know what that is, that refers to uh, Khrushchev's claim that they were going to, the communists were going to take over America without firing a shot. Without a Shot Indeed, Inducing Compliance through social science and persuasion. Now, David, this was the thing you went to school for. This is the stuff that you're talking about right now. Tell people a little bit about what you're putting together in this book and why it should be of a major importance of interest to them. This book basically hits, hits all the topics about how they get you to comply you know, it's like, what are we dealing with in America right now? We're dealing with a situation where people are trying to figure out why are so many people complying with these mask mandates, you know? And, and most people, you start throwing around terms like brainwashing and stuff like that. Well, people understand that. People understand that there's a brainwashing process going going on. But what I did in this book is I, as I looked at, all, at various different things like opera conditioning and critical theory and persuasive communications and, and, and even different, different uh, health study models that they, that they, that they use when they study um, health related behaviors. And, and I found the common denominator between all of these subjects, you know, and it basically boils down to a science of human behavior where, you know, human behavior is studied from a very godless perspective, from, from this perspective that you are not in control of your behavior. Rather, it's the environment that controls your behavior. And through the manipulation of the environment, your behavior can be nudged or pushed into certain directions without you even realizing it through various different techniques that they, that they employ. Um, one, of, one of the big ones that I hit on 
and I've been hitting on it quite often, is called uh, Fear Then Relief. And it sounds kind of fantastical, but I, I have the book right here to where this, this technique comes from. This book is called uh, The Dynamics of Persuasion. Okay. And this technique, Fear Then Relief, it's, I'm going to read the description to you right here. This is somewhat different from the other techniques in that the persuader deliberately places the recipient in a state of fear. Suddenly and abruptly, the persuader eliminates the threat, replaces fear with kind words, and asks the recipient to comply with a request. The, insur- the ensuing relief pushes the persuadee to, to comply. And there's, you, you know me by now, Tim, I usually don't say a lot of things unless I can back it up with a journal or of some kind of, of uh, source. There's all kinds of studies that have been done on this compliance gaining through this fear than relief strategy. And, and they know that during that, that, that relief that, that you feel because that fear is no longer there, you are a lot more susceptible to just going along because that, that feeling of relief is associated with the next request for compliance. And, and if you, if you think, you know, th- this is talking about maybe like on a one-on-one level, you know, or maybe advertising campaigns or something. But just imagine something like this being employed through the media and most people being scared to death of a fear appeal, a fear message that's being pushed through the media. You know, I mean, the same technique could apply. And, and so the, the bigger point of the book then is how they employ techniques like this to get you to comply and um, I go through, like I said, I go through um, operant conditioning, um, kids being conditioned to behave in a certain way, or rather, you know, critical theory being employed in our classrooms to give, Amer- to give students the impression that America is, is a racist place. And then, then, then going along and accepting that being reinforced through operant conditioning techniques, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, I'm I'm actually David. I'm actually getting a picture here. Um, let's give let's give something that's that's right now what you're talking about. This whole this whole idea that when you go out, people are wearing masks. That's part of that, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. that's part of it. They're trying to push it now to the point where they want you to take the vaccine. That's part of it too. And a lot of yeah. people uh, think I you know some people are just not confrontative. I, I'm not. I I mean. I can be, but I don't like to be. I like to get along with everybody just like everybody else. But mm-hmm. they don't want to be confrontative and they don't or conf- is that the right word? <laughs> they yeah, they don't they <laughs> Yeah, they they don't like confrontation. They just don't like it. And so when they're you know, they go into the store and the person says, "Here, you need to wear a mask. We have a policy." They don't want by nature to say, "No, I'm not wearing a mask." and go on about their business and ignore the person. Most most people tend to grab that mask, stick it on for the duration of their little journey in the store, and then leave. Whereas some of us know, first, the mask doesn't work. Second, you're pushing propaganda that you've heard that you have nothing to back it up. And third, you don't even know what the law says about trying to make me wear that mask. I, I'm I'm one of those people that if I know it, I'm going to stand for it. If I don't know it, then I'm just ignorant like, other people are 
But I think this is the same thing that you're talking about right there. They're using these social constructs. They're using the peer pressure. It, that was the term that I used to have um, when I was growing up. The peer pressure to get people to just go along with whatever their their narrative is that they're putting on. I'm, I'm not that far off, am I? Well, no, absolutely not. If you uh, read the book, this is something that I talk about all the time, um, Beyond Freedom and Dignity by B.F. Skinner. It's a, a known trait of human behavior to want to fit in and not push against the grain. And he says in that book that um, creating an environment where people aren't accepted or people have a fear of not being accepted is, is actually a more of a controlling mechanism than a full-blown police state. You know, so if, if they can manipulate the environment in a way to where there's a popular consensus and you're not fitting into that popular consensus, your behavior or your attitudes can be through peer pressure. I mean, that's an easier way to say it, peer pressure, but it's a, it's a known trait of human behavior to want to fit in, you know, and so they take advantage of that. Okay. All right. And I'm thinking uh, you were talking about some of the things of where I guess this is saying you were saying it's sort of programmed into the person, uh, their environment has all this kind of stuff. And I, I pulled up real quickly. I really want to play this to tell you the truth, but I don't want to take away from the time that I'm interviewing you. So what I'm going to do, it's only about six or seven minutes. I think a friend of mine, Brian Gadawa, uh, I've had him on the show before. He Put together, he, he did films. He did, if anybody's ever seen the film To End All Wars, it had Kiefer Sutherland and David Carlisle just before Kiefer Sutherland did the Jack Bauer thing with 24. And it was based off a true story out of World War I in a Japanese internment camp. And uh, Brian put together this, this little short video clip. It's really well done. And it was called Cruel Logic. And one of the things was this guy is, he's kidnapping all these people that make these kind of statements. And the, the short clip it runs about six or seven minutes. He catches this guy who has just done a talk at this university. And he's told them, he said, it's in your DNA to commit a crime. If you're a murderer, you know, it's in your DNA to do this. You can't help it. If you're a thief, it's in your DNA. You can't help it. So the guy kidnaps him and he basically says, um, convince me, you know, prove to me that what you're saying is true. Well, the guy doesn't go to that because the guy tells him, he says, if you can't do it, I'm going to kill you. So the guy starts appealing to morality and he starts appealing to the law and he starts appealing to you're going to go to jail or they're going to kill you or whatever the case may be. And the guy keeps telling me, he says, that's not what you told all these other people. And so he's breaking down the logic there. It's it's um, it's very simple, like uh, what Paul says that we do with the scriptures is that our our warfare is to tear our, our the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty uh, through God in the tearing down of strongholds and he's really talking about the strongholds on our mind and I'm going to have this up in the archive so people can check it out but it sounds to me like some of this goes to what you were talking about a minute ago in the fact that we get indoctrinated with this idea that we're we're products of whatever's written in us or our environment in some cases that adds to it as well and i mean what is the solution to this uh, what is the solution from what you were taught in the schools to deal with people like that well the first thing i would say is that you have to shut off 
all media, you know, all news sources, because their job is to misinform you and keep you trapped in a narrative that serves their best interest. Whether you're talking about news on the right or news on the left, there's the amazing thing about today is that all this information is available at, at right at your fingertips. You know, it's uh, you can go and to Google Scholar or some several other different sites and look up these studies that people are citing their information from and, and educate yourself. You know, and I think that's the, the most important thing to do is to educate yourself um, against all the stuff that is going on. Don't believe what the media says. Um, First and foremost, that'd be my opinion. Okay. All right. Let's get people, because people probably listening up to now say, I really like this David. Boy, he's he's against the commies. He's against the socialists. He's against all those Democrats, right? He's against all of the, the guys that, that you're told in the conservative media that are bad for America. Okay? So we got you guys on the hook if you're there. David, you and I know I can say it because I was doing it too. We were both writing against a lot of stuff that was pushed by the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of stuff that was very Marxist to its core. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, though, when Trump came on the scene, you go, I mean, before he got in office, you were telling me, Tim, I don't know this. He's been friends with the the Democrat. He's been a Democrat. He's been uh, friends with Bill and Hillary Clinton. And I'm going, yeah, I know. And he supported the the the, the gun, the assault weapons ban, and he supported uh, uh, the 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 abortion issue and all of this other stuff. And all along, I don't even. I, I don't even remember you saying, I don't know if I'm going to even give him a chance. You were just skeptical. For, I was a little bit skeptical, but I did give him a chance and saw some good things that he did at first. He was saying the right things, but there was always this thing sticking me in the back of my mind saying, one, the thing that, that stuck me was what the Word of God says, and it talks about how God deals with a rebellious people. We point to that in Deuteronomy 28. Uh, Leviticus 26, and then I point to the fulfillment of that being carried out in the book of Revelation. You can read the Olivet Discourses, Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. And that always sticks in me because I know no matter what I'm seeing, either God's true or he's a liar, and I don't think he's a liar. The Bible says, let every man be a liar and God be true. So that was the thing that was sticking to me, but I said, okay, I'll give Trump a chance here. And all along, it was this sort of Hegelian dialectic. He would throw him a, he would throw the people a bone, and then you know he would take he would look like he's taking a step back, and then he would move two steps forward. USMCA is one of those specific things where he took two steps back and like ten steps forward with uh, removing TPP and NAFTA, and then basically all of that plus something uh, minus a little bit of TPP was thrown back into USMCA. You started calling out Donald Trump on this stuff, and can you explain to people the stuff that you write about? How's Trump involved in that? I mean, he was speaking like we want to make America great again. We, you know, we, I'm not, I'm not going to touch your firearms. You know, he came to the NRA. Your your attack on the Second Amendment is over. Um, you know, we're going to deal with the illegal alien issue. We're going to build a wall. We're going to uh, have the greatest this, that, and the other. And nobody's ever done anything like I've ever, like I will ever do anything. How in the world can a guy like how how are people so easily swayed with that? And what was your perspective on that? Well, let me answer the first part first. You asked how are people so easily persuaded by that? 
I'm going to go back to that fear then relief technique. Um, Donald Trump achieved like godlike status in his four years of, as president, and I and I believe it was largely because people were so relieved Hillary Clinton didn't win. I mean, you had eight years of Obama, which was full full blown Marxism, and everybody knew what that was, and everybody knew what Hillary Clinton was going to be. So, from a theoretical perspective, and, it, and it's just speculation, but it's speculation based on some facts here. The first fact is that Hillary Clinton was a close friend of Saul Alinsky. She worked for him. She wrote her college thesis on how to change government from within, you know. Um, and I'm going to tell you in that social work program, I had textbooks that talked about infiltrating and re-educating institutions, you know, like uh, like Gramsci and style, style um, you know, long march through the institutions, um, infiltrate and re-educate. So Hillary Clinton wrote her college thesis on Saul Alinsky on how to change the government from within. And if you look at if you look at Donald Trump's history, I'm sorry, you know, for those of you that love him so much, the man donated a ton of money to some of the biggest Democrat politicians that are now pretending to hate him so much or pretended to hate him throughout the whole duration of his presidency. And that that constant um, tension that was always portrayed between Donald Trump and the left, this this whole narrative that was built up, Trump versus the left, Trump versus the deep state, uh, it reinforced support for him. And, and based on what they knew about human behavior, they knew that they were going to be able to do that. They knew that they could reinforce this non-questioning, compliant attitude. And, and in all reality, n- nobody ever questioned anything he did you know, when it came to the bump stock ban, his support for red flag laws, I would write volumes on why we should oppose those things. And I would be called milksop patriot, and liberal troll. And I was kicked out of Second Amendment groups for questioning Donald Trump. And, and uh, in my opinion, it's all explained right here in this fear then relief technique and, and how they how they can reinforce support for Trump by by building up this false opposition to them, even though at the end of the day, they're probably getting together and having a couple of drinks and laughing about it, you know? Um, and, and if you go back farther in history, and I know we talked about this one before, when it comes to the QAnon thing, um, the Soviet Union had something that was very similar to that. They had an operation called Operation Trust, where they they had messages coming out to the people that the communist revolutionaries were going to be defeated, um, that they didn't need to worry about it. They just needed to sit back and stay out of the way. And so they did. And well, it was all a lie, just like QAnon was a lie. Um, you know, a lot of this is speculative. Can I prove it? No. But the one thing that I can say is Donald Trump got beat by the swamp that he was supposed to drain. And the reason that happened is because he didn't really stand on the conservative principles we all thought he was standing on. You know. Okay, so so let me ask you because I know some people are going, well, how can this be? Because the media was attacking him, and and the the Democrats were attacking him, and the Republicans were attacking him. And you have written several times. This is the way that things are set up. You've got a small amount of people that you control. The media is owned by what five corporations. Uh, so they get their marching orders from up top, and it, it pretty much happens across the nation. Can I interrupt you here? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. The media, 
You said the media is owned by five or so corporations. Fox News itself, Rupert Murdoch, donated money to the Hillary Clinton campaign. You know, you know what I mean? So it's like none of that makes any sense. If you go, if you go to the book called uh, The Manufacturer of Consent, and it's actually written by Noam Chomsky, who's you know kind of a leftist, I guess. But there's something called the propaganda model. And if you look at our media, I mean, some truths speak for themselves. You know, if you look at our media, it's fair to say that CNN, MSNBC, and all these other ones, that they have, they're, they're very leftist in their viewpoints. We all know it. Everybody knows it. And then you move over a little bit to the right, and then you have Fox News. And Fox News itself has a few conservative commentators, but yet they also have a, a lot of liberal commentators, right? Am I correct? Yeah, oh, there's no doubt. And they've contributed right. money to the LGBTQ stuff right. for years. And, and so that's the propaganda model. The propaganda model exists so the, the opposing narrative can be allowed and shaped and crafted. I can't remember who wrote the article, but I cited an article where, where the guy made this quote. He said, Fox News shaped conservative belief throughout Donald Trump's presidency, right? And that's exactly what they did. They shaped it. They defined what it was that conservatives were to believe. Okay, they, that's how they, they said, this is what conservatism is, and people believe it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, it's very similar to the issue with Rush Limbaugh. And, uh, you know, after his death, I knew what Rush Limbaugh, we, we talked about it when he was alive on the show. So it wasn't like, you know, we were trying to beat a guy who had died. We weren't trying to do that. But even Joel Skousen pointed out, you know, uh, Rush Limbaugh fell off the, the wagon early on when he wouldn't talk about conspiracies, real conspiracies that were there. He did that at first until he got his multi-million dollar contract. And then he wouldn't talk about that. In fact, he would shut people down doing it. And he himself said, I think it was in the early 2000s, that he was tired of carrying water for the GOP. That's all he was, was a GOP. He was a fantastic entertainer and radio personality. There's no question about that. I don't think, I don't think anybody's been as good at doing what he did. Uh, I, I just don't think there's anybody been like that. But that doesn't mean anything if you've been sort of controlling the opposition by not really giving them the stuff they need. Like we do on the Sons of Liberty, we tell them, here's what the law says. These people have violated the law. This is what needs to happen to them. We don't soft pedal it and say, hey, you just need to have them resign or you just need to come up with a different thing. He wouldn't he wouldn't go that route. It was it was always this thing to keep the WWE match going on. So I can hear in people's minds, David, they're going, how in the world do you get this conspiracy uh, between your media and between, I don't know, 500 representatives in D.C. and then your president and maybe some other people in the mix? How do you get this thing to all work together? And I think what a lot of people don't understand, like with Reagan, he was an actor. They forget that, and they think he's all this conservative and this, that, and the other, and they lock up a lot of things he said, and he said a lot of good things just like Donald Trump did. Donald Trump stole his Make America Great from him. They see that, and and they forget the acting part. And this is why I constantly say it's WWE. It's the Harlem Globetrotters and the Washington Generals. It's that kind of thing, 
and people don't get it. They still think because the guy says something or because the team says something that they really mean it, but when it comes down to what they actually do, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Can you help people understand how would they put something together like that to pull the wool over the people's eyes? Yeah, it's it's um, Washington, D.C. is Hollywood 2.0, okay? So I, I like to use this example a lot. When, you remember when, uh, what was it, Kavanaugh was under fire and they had these big sexual assault hearings yep. going on in Washington, D.C. before his confirmation? And they, and they really went above and beyond with these, with these actors coming out there and, and, and putting pressure on him and, and all this. Behind the scenes, when all that was going on, there was an article that was ran by, by a couple news outlets. Um, Brett Kavanaugh was actually going to the same senators that were pressuring him in, in this fake hearing, whatever you wanted to call it. And he was assuring them in person, that he would never vote against Roe versus Wade because it was uh, it was established law already, you know? So, but the belief was is that Trump had nominated Kavanaugh and, and that Trump, or that Kavanaugh was a conservative and that um, Roe versus Wade, because of this nomination, would at some point be abolished. I mean, behind every Trump, uh, behind every nomination of Trump, there was this belief that that, that they were going to save everything, you know. And but the reality was, is while they were putting on this show for us to watch on TV, he was telling all these senators he wouldn't vote against Roe versus Wade, and and, and it was that show that they put on that that left versus Trump's nomination that that reinforced support for him and made people not even question who the man was. I don't think there's been one case since he's been on the Supreme Court that he ruled in favor of something that uh, would actually be considered conservatism. Has he? Well, I, I I don't know every case has come up there. I said the same thing about Amy Coney, uh, Coney Bryant and even Neil Gorsuch. I wasn't real sure about him. And then we've had all of these cases where his attorneys have pushed for the voter fraud, which I look. I think anybody who's even halfway paying attention understands there was a significant amount of voter fraud because there's some tremendous anomalies. And look, guys, I've been very critical of Trump, but I told, I said on the air, I said he ever every right to not only pursue it, but he has a duty as the president, Article 2, Section 3, to ensure the law is upheld. And I didn't see Trump doing that. I saw his attorneys out here running around. Some of the judges that they appeared before were appointed by Trump. Some weren't. And you have to ask the question, well, what is all this fiasco that's going on that's happening here? And I don't want to put it on Trump. I think there's a long list of stuff that's going on. You've got Bush coming in, uh, sending us off into wars that we shouldn't have been in in the first place. There's There's a whole pack of lies that come from that, too. But then it, what it ends up becoming is it's said to defend us when what when the real people attacked are the American people, every time you get on the plane, you're reminded of that. So we've got that. So then people say, oh, here's this young senator who's a, a big do-nothing, is what he is. And they say, oh, he's a great orator. Well, he's not really. He may sound good to people when he's in front of the teleprompter, but you get him off the teleprompter and get him off of, of the script, and he's a babbling idiot. And he's a not a natural-born citizen, too, which means he's a usurper. That's what I call him, Barry. 
So Barry is so bad in pushing the Marxist agenda, putting the racial divide within America, that people are sick of that, and they overwhelmingly vote for a guy that talks American. I mean, Donald Trump seemed to come right off the hip and talk American for the most right. part. There were some things that, you know, I kind of said, okay, I've got a little problem there. But he, he on the campaign trail, he, he talked American. And people overwhelmingly vote him in. I think they've overwhelmingly voted him in the last time, too, just for the record. But I do, too. I think, I think that election was stolen. I mean, yeah. it doesn't make sense that Biden, who was Obama's vice president, would, would win because people were so tired of Obama from the get-go. That just doesn't make any sense. You know, as much as, much as, as critical as I am of Trump, I did vote for him, and it makes no sense that Biden would have won. It just doesn't. Yeah, so so I'm trying to lead that up to the fact that the people get frustrated, so they vote Republican. Then they get frustrated and they vote Democrat, and they vote, and then they get frustrated. They've been doing this for over 170 years, okay? And where has it gotten us, guys? I mean, it, whether it's a blue wave or a red wave, it's all a tsunami against us. It doesn't matter who is in power there. And I'm I got to tell you. Just on a personal level, I'm at the point where we ought to start really seriously talking and pushing our state legislatures towards secession. There is no, there is no draining of the swamp. That's not going to happen. Nobody's going to do that. It's going to take, a, it's going to take the state leg, and we got a, we got our hands cut out dealing with the state legislator. But what I wanted to do was lead it up to show people the things that you're talking about, how they play the people. They put up the good cop, then they put up the bad cop. Then they put up the good cop, then they put up the bad cop. But the agenda is still moving ahead the same way it has been. Is, isn't that right? Yeah. You know, there's a... They, they think... We, you know, everybody understands this. They think we're stupid. But it, there's a book called Nudge by Cass Sunstein. And Cass Sunstein was Obama's regulatory affairs czar. And when Obama was president and, and Cass Sunstein was up there, Obama actually signed an executive order that allowed the government to use um, psychology, if you will, to do psychological studies on, on the public to see how they behaved and how they reacted to things. But in, in Sunstein's book, Nudge, he basically says in so many words that people are not capable of making decisions in their best interest or when they're confronted with information that goes against what they believe they don't know how to deal with it and this is something that he says is understood by you know social science right and so it's it's imperative that that people take the time to research things for themselves and not just follow along the media narrative because that's what they're counting on see as far as the government's concerned they don't care if you're republican or democrat as long as you're walking in lockstep with the narrative, you know, that's it. That's all they care about. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and I don't want people to think I'm trying to beat up on Donald Trump. What I'm trying to do is show what, what's been done the whole time. And mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, even what we're seeing with the vaccine, all of that was set up by the Trump administration. Now, mm -hmm. Biden can say they didn't have a plan, this, that, and that, but they're the ones who actually put it in that he, that he got. And I want Donald Trump to own every bit of that vaccine thing because every bit of it was unconstitutional. I want him to own every adverse uh, side effect, every death that stems from that because he didn't have authority to do it. And that's really where we focus on is the law. It doesn't matter if it's him or Biden or whatever. Now Biden's doing it. He doesn't have the authority. Our message hasn't changed. 
But David, people are fickle. Now, why are they fickle? Is it because of this stuff that you encountered when you were in school, the stuff that you write about in your books? Is is that the basis of what the enemy is doing to the people of the United States? And they're going to have to get out of this idolatry that they create, whether it's a political party or a person or whatever the case may be. Isn't this stemming right out of the stuff that you learned from communists and socialists and Alinsky and all of that within your training in the university? Yeah, absolutely. It's all it's all community organizing and it's all discrediting ideas and demonizing ideas. Um, interestingly, now this might be a little um, difficult to follow along, but in the um, book um, Brainwashing, um, it's called Brainwashing the Russian Synthesis on the Textbook of Psychopolitics. The, uh, the textbook, the Russian textbook on psychopolitics. It's, uh, there's a technique in there where they describe how they can discredit a person by, by destroying the, the ideas that are associated with that person. Okay, are you following me? So if they wanted to destroy a senator, for example, then they can take the, the, the ideas and the concepts that he's loyal to and discredit them to the point to where it brings him shame. And then he starts to believe that any stress that he's under is because of the loyalties to those ideas. Are you following me? Now, yep. that, that book, the book itself has kind of, in so many ways, been discredited as a hoax, okay? But now here's the interesting thing. I'm going to go back to where I was in that social work program and I wrote that paper on white privilege. After writing that paper, we all had to stand up in front of the class and admit how we didn't know how racist we were until we had been exposed to that white privilege idea. What? Right? You, you were then, oh, this, this happened in the university? Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> okay. Now hold on. Now there's a journal and it would take too long for me to pull it up right now. But I but I found the article on Google Scholar, and it's in an actual psychology journal written by a Chinese psychologist where she describes um, the, the methods that they use in Chinese schools to gain compliance from their students. And that technique is described in that science journal. So here we have a connection between a book on communist brainwashing which has been discredited as a hoax, an experience that I had in a university, and then the same technique popping up again in an actual psychology journal on, on gaining compliance in Chinese schools where they, where they destroy the credibility of a person by making them, um, in this one, this particular one, it was making them admit their faults in front of a large group of people, just like they did to us in school making us admit that, oh, we didn't know how racist we were until we studied white privilege. <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. Now, the, the whole idea, that's real peer pressure because you're the only guy standing up in the classroom, right, who's saying, I'm not racist. I'm not saying this stuff. Was there anybody else at all who stood up and did that? No, no, no. And, and as a matter of fact, I look back at that time frame, and I think it's absolutely hilarious because I was the guy – and I don't mean any offense to anybody that's watching, but not only did I stand up and say that that, but I was also the guy that said in a room full of feminists that 
America was a much better place when mom stayed home and raised the kids. Well, amen. You know what? Amen. That is a biblical approach. I caught the same thing in the church when I taught Titus 2, and I said, you know, Paul tells the young, the older women to teach the younger women to love their husbands, love their children, be keepers at home. And the Greek words there, there's two words, energeo and then uh, oikos, which was your energy is in to be in the home. This is where your focus is. It's not a career. It's not that women can't have, be industrious. They should be. We read that in uh, Proverbs 31. We see people like Lydia. They were industrious, but they were industrious from the home. They were not subservient to another man. They were subservient if they had a husband. It was to their husband or to their father. But they were still uh, workers. They focused there. And I agree with that. And then the men to lead. But now we've trans, we, we've, we've emasculated the men. We've made them women. And, and now we're doing it literally. And now we're, we're, we're adding the male parts to the women, literally, uh, because that's where all this goes. It is a, it is a distortion of the natural order of what God intended. And God said that would be part of the curse in Genesis chapter one, or excuse me, Genesis chapter three. When he says your desire will be for your husband, the, the desire of Eve or of a woman is to rule over her husband. That's the natural sinful desire to do. And the man, his natural inclination is to go, whatever you say, honey, Mr. Milk Toast. Um, and, and God calls us to repent of that and to go back to the, the place where we were. So I, I, the way you're bringing up, it brings it right home to everybody who's listening that this isn't just uh, academics. It isn't just, uh, you know, book knowledge. They're actually taking and putting this stuff into practice, and uh, and you know we have to we have to be on guard of that of that and be able to fight against it. David, we're running up against yeah. the show here. We got about a minute left. You want to give some final thoughts and and toss out where people can find out more about you? You got a minute? Yeah. Um, to build off what you just said, you have to look at it like we're always under the microscope. Everything is a study in compliance. When we comply, they learn about what we comply to, and then they put that into practice. Um, my website is defenseofournation.com, and, of course, you can see my articles at Sons of Liberty Media as well, and my book should be coming out within the next two months at least, maybe sooner. Um, and yeah. Okay, all right, and just letting people know, the title of the new book will be with a, Without a Shot Indeed, Inducing Compliance Through Social Science and Persuasion. Guys, we'll probably have something on Sons of Liberty Media. I'm sure David is probably going to. I think, David, we talked about maybe giving people maybe the first chapter or something just to in the archives, just to give them a taste and a flavor of what you're going to write in that book. So uh, if David can get me that, we're going to put it in the archives. And uh, David Rizzolato, we appreciate your time, man. Always, always a good pleasure to talk with you. And by the way, go to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Read David's stuff. It's great stuff. It will help you understand exactly where we're at and what's being done to us. 23 hours. See you.